0: E-S-N-Y We have a fantastic show podcast for everyone listening today. A really great guest, uh, but before I start all that, always rolling uh, with my co-host Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on, my man? How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. Sorry, I forgot to say Happy St. Patrick's Day. We signed on, and I'm the Irish guy in here, so I should have said it right away when I got on here. I forgot to say Happy St. Patrick's Day.
0: <laughs> I'm, happy. But, uh, but yeah. I, uh, I, I do wish I was celebrating a little bit more like, like everybody probably else is. Um, but uh, always back talking hoops. We're excited to keep talking hoops tonight. We have um, a New York Knicks centric podcast, probably with a little bit of other NBA stuff mixed in to help us break all of that down first time to the podcast. But Chip and I are big fans of this guy's work from afar, um, old from across the pond contributed to the strickland the man jack huntley jack what's going on man thank you for coming on the podcast
2: hi guys no worries yeah happy to be here um i didn't realize it was st patrick's day either i mean there's no like markers for days anymore i only realized when i saw patrick ewing all over the timeline with like a leprechauns hat on and all these (laughs) photoshopped, photoshopped images but uh i am drinking wine so yeah
0: i'm celebrating yeah as you, yeah. as you should be. I guess no uh, no Knicks green jerseys uh, this time around. I know uh, some of us miss those. Some of us don't. Um, but I, do really I miss
1: them. I like them. Yeah, I do. like there the green jerseys. No, Jack, you don't like them?
2: I don't know. I haven't thought of that for a while. But uh, my, I think my initial reaction was one of uh, uh, suspicion. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. As Relief that thing, they're
1: gone? That yeah, was your
2: <laughs> – As a holiday thing, I'm okay with it. But uh, – yeah, green is not. It's
0: a bit too bit too Bostony. They can be, they can be polarizing. I remember it's it's funny because I actually remember I loved the all orange jerseys for like a minute, but we couldn't win a game in them. So, I think that kind of like soured on me a little bit just because our record in those jerseys was like god awful. Um, but I I kind of like them for a minute even though I don't know. They're a little hard on the eye um but they're pretty
2: bright like i don't like the a lot of the miami stuff now oh, is, it's is brutal. A, absolutely a bomb I, I just can't do it it's just like hurts your eyes but
0: um yeah yeah we'll stick to the classic i think yeah. the classic classic blue um and as we get into our next conversation i think the place i wanted to start with you jack is is just there's a lot of rumors that have been going around, and they affect various areas of the team. So um, I think most Knicks fans are on the uh, the vomit train when it comes to the idea of, of bringing in Andre Drummond uh, for, for a, a lot of reasons. But we've also been recently linked to Miles Turner as well. So with that being said, you know, it it seems like for whatever reason, whether the rumors are legit or not, we're we're linked to a fair amount of bigs. Um what is just kind of your take on on or your your possession your opinion or where you fall on the spectrum of the importance of Mitchell Robinson on this team now and in the future? Are it, it seems like Nick Nick's Twitter has been I don't want to f- say fairly split, but Slowly but surely, there are some people that are coming around to maybe the idea of trading for him. I think there are some people that still feel very strongly that no, this is our center of the future, and we haven't even really tapped his potential yet. Um, you know, what what is your sense and and how you feel of, you know, is Mitchell Robinson really long for for the Knicks?
2: I mean, I, I'm definitely pro Mitchell Robinson, and. You know, it's about separating the question into Mitch and then um you know what's best for the Knicks. I wouldn't put him in the sort of RJ IQ and now Randall tier, but that's probably just a positional archetype thing. It's like more of a fear of the amount of money it's gonna take to, to get him long term. If we can lock him up to a reasonable deal, I think yeah, we should do that. Um, you know, the improvement that he's shown this year. Has been remarkable. I think we're just scratching the surface of what he can do with Kenny Payne. He's by he's by no means a finished product, and he's already an anchor of a you know a top ten defense. So you know, in theory, yeah, let's let's keep him around. But I also don't think there's any harm in sniffing around, you know, alternatives or making plans depending on how the summer goes with negotiations. So yeah, you know, it's going to be a very interesting summer with Mitch. But it's such a shame that he got hurt. Um, and in terms of Andre Drummond, I mean, nah, just, uh, yes. that's, that, 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 that's a non-starter for me. But um, yeah, the Mitch thing—I don't. Th- I'm not like hard one way or the other. I can see both sides, but I would—I would lean towards just trying to get him at a reasonable price and then seeing what you have, because I don't think we know what he is yet, really.
1: The Mitch thing, like, what is the reasonable price for Mitch? I don't know. That is the yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's because uh, that is, is fifteen million dollars a year a reasonable or more like yeah. 15, 12 to fifteen? Is that a reasonable price for him?
2: I'd say fifteen is going to be going to be the low end. I think he can ask for more than that. Wow. You know, I think Drummond's getting like twenty nine this year. Like, I know Bigs are on Bigs are on the out, but Rich Paul's his agent. He's not going to be. Uh, compromise in the tool on, on, on the money side of things. I think 15, I'd sign that. That's fine. 15's not a lot of money. Well, remember, um,
0: I think even Chip, um, Chip even, I think you wrote about this over the summer. I think the model for him, and I know other people have talked about it as well, was kind of Capella's contract that he got from the Rockets. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's, it, it's definitely going to be interesting for sure. I think I, and I, I'm kind of on on board with you guys. Like, I still think we are scratching the surface with Mitch and I, you know, at at some point, one of these guys has to be the first rookie that we extend since Charlie Ward. Right. Like eventually some, somebody has to fill that slot and like, I'm fine if it's Mitchell Robinson, but I do think the only thing that concerns me a little bit is I'm just in watching him this year. I do feel like there's the, the things that he still does well, he does well. Um, the, the free throw percentage going down does concern me a little bit. I think in year three, I would have liked to have seen an improvement in maybe some areas and, and I'm not asking for him to be this dynamic offensive player that is gonna start you know incorporating a handle or shooting threes like I, I really don't need that but but to have some offense come outside of put packs and dunks, um, obviously that, you know, that would be something that I, I would like for sure. But if Tibbs, who is, you know, a, a defense first coach who has been effusive in his praise for Mitch pretty much all season, um, and since training camp with the exception of that one little hiccup kind of in, in talking about his, um, his preparation, I think. Yeah. I think that's probably got to be a pretty big positive sign. What do you, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I- you know, Tibbs, I think Tibbs loves Mitch um, and you can see the difference between him and Noel. Like Noel, he makes a lot of highlight plays and stuff, but, uh, you know, the moments between the moments, he's not he's not all there. He's got great hands on one end of the floor, but Mitch is a different breed. Mitch is a guy that really just changes the tenor and tone of the whole defence. And I think RJ is making huge strides defensively. I think Randall's making huge strides. I think they're they're a great fit, you know. Um, I'd look to the offensive improvement and say, you're absolutely right. He has room to grow. Um, but at the same time, I don't think we've seen the best of him offensively, just leveraging his body or, you know, his insane athleticism. He's got great chemistry with RJ and I think he'll be making an upgrade at point guard, then you're going to see a lot more of a productive Mitch because the floor will properly be spaced. You know, it'll be an absolute nightmare to guard. Like people talk about Pete Tyson Chandler and that kind of guy offensively, uh, just like a real role hub. And that can be devastating. I don't think we need, if you get like a top 10 defense and that, and you can pay 15 million a year for it, I think that's great value.
1: We haven't seen Mitch with this version of RJ yet. He got hurt right before RJ started hitting his shots. So I'd I'd like to see Mitch with this version of RJ before we bring in Andre Drummond. But I do, I do like the one Andre Drummond argument that I do see and Macri talked about this, not that Macri was arguing for Andre Drummond, but he said like, it'd be, Interesting to see a center who, when he caught the ball at the elbow, could turn and make a pass to a cutter instead of having to hand the ball right back to the point guard or dribble and, and like that. That's the one tiny argument you could make for Drummond. Although you still shouldn't go get him, but like that's the only it's the only real thing Drummond does significantly better than Mitch. I think he's an incredible rebounder.
2: You know, Drummond is. Is is an incredible rebounder, but I think Mitch is an incredible team rebounder. Yeah. And you know, what are you paying Drummond? Like, are you gonna is he gonna be so cheap that the difference between whatever that number is and the number that Mitch is maybe getting? I mean, it just seems like like a sort of sideways move. It's just a random, you know, it's not the area of concern for this roster. I mean, I the Miles Turner stuff is a lot more interesting. You know because he's a different he's a different beast. Oh yeah. Um so that's that I would definitely be exploring. Um because he's a lot further along, you know, he's an incredible room protector. He can space the floor a little bit. Um and so that I would see. But yeah. you know, in terms of the origins of all these rumors and stuff, I do find it interesting that we're linked to a few bigs. But uh, I think it's more a leverage play. I mean, we're we're the team with the most cap space in the league. So, you know, all this stuff is going to come back to us. It's just about passing out and sieving through what's real and what's not real. Um, And I think Begley had it pretty recently that the Knicks are cooling on the drum and stuff. So we'll see. But fingers crossed that that not much comes of that.
1: Yeah. And I think I forget if it was Begley or someone else that said the Knicks weren't. Interested in making a big splash, too. They were more interested in a smaller move, and now it comes out, like, a couple of days later that they're interested in Miles Turner. So I, I'm not sure. There were one of six teams linked to him. So I, that's yeah. to your point about them, like, being used there. That That's what that feels like. Because there's yeah. a lot of other teams that need him a lot more just based on a playoff push, and I, that's that's what that feels like. Why are the paces even moving on for that doesn't make sense yeah i mean he's they're so much better when he's on the court like and and he him and sabonis that pairing's significantly better now now that sabonis is shooting threes
2: it's just a bit premature for them i think you had caitlin on recently and Mm -hmm. uh yeah she was saying just wait and see what you've got the roster's half finished you know haven't seen it all healthy and, and humming together so yeah that that would be a bit of a shocker to be honest but you never know. Trade deadline, crazy times.
1: I just feel like bringing in Drummond hurts Julius Randle. That that's the biggest thing. Like I think Randall, it's a it's a decline in defense, and that would hurt Randall. I think Robinson is a big help for Randall, and he's a per, like Randall has obviously improved defensively, but he just benefits so much from playing with a guy like uh, Mitch or a guy like Noel and Drummond is a I don't know in his numbers look good yeah his block numbers I guess look okay but he's just not Mitch or he's not Nerland Noel. yeah so Uh, (laughs) he's he's, just not
2: yeah he's a bit of a bizarre player to be honest you know yeah the idea of him doing stuff on offense is nice until you realize that if he's doing that you've probably got the baggage that comes with it and if you're you know if you're playing through Andre Jarmond extensively on offense, yeah. Yeah.
1: Probably. We saw. we saw how that worked out with the Pistons. Yeah. You're not going to be
2: <laughs> the most potent team, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a big, it's a bit of a pass for me, to be honest. Yeah.
0: I would really want to know who, whether it's within the front office or whether it's Tibbs, would be even pushing for him because. If it's Tibbs, there's only a small part of me that thinks that he feels like he could replicate what he had with Noah in the sense that Noah was a really good passer from um, the free throw line extended. So that if you do give him the ball, like Chip was saying before, um, one of Mitch's deficiencies is that he just has to hand it right back to the guard. But Noah was someone who could play make really well. And I'm not even saying Drummond can do that because he's really not. Playmaker. Yeah, he's not Noah. But... He's just a better passer yeah. than Mitch. Yeah, he's, he's not saying yeah. much. Um, and <laughs> he's not nearly the defender that Noah was. So it's just like you're literally just upgrading one of Mitch's weaknesses while not really improving on anything else. So um, it, it doesn't really make sense.
1: Yeah. No, it, it doesn't make sense. But getting to Randall, Jack, we were reading your article on Randall that came out, I think, right before – the All-Star game, but after he was announced as an All-Star where you talked about what's the next step for his uh offensive game and you talked about him as a pick-and-roll ball handler and you talked about Zion and the Pelicans because it was right around the time, I think, where Stan Van Gundy was starting to use Zion in that role. So can you talk a little bit about what you think the Knicks should be doing with Julius going forward?
2: I mean, I was I was watching uh, the game earlier and Randall is just... Everything he does is is so much better. Like it's, I almost feel like there's more room for growth just because his transformation has been so complete. It's like every single movement of his body, even his handle, you know, he was like dancing at the top of the key yesterday. I just feel like what is the theoretical reason why he can't be doing even more on offense? with the right surrounding pieces, you know, so the piece you're talking about, I just, um, uh, in very, in a very small sample, he's been extremely good as a pick and roll ball handler this year. Uh, and it's mostly off jump shots and just sort of four or five screens uh, with Noel or Mitch. But, um, you know, I was just offering up the idea that there is a little bit more scope there for him to be more of a uh, a pick and roll fulcrum rather than just a handoff guy um, and working in iso and then just drawing help and kicking it out and yeah i mean if you can shoot pass and dribble then you should be able to run a good pick and roll and it just with his size and his sort of unique skill set you know that will cause a, a bit of a headache for defenses like what how zion is um is being such an absolute beast down in New Orleans in a slightly different way because Zion just sort of gets into the paint and then destroys people, but Randall's got that whole mid-range thing now. So um, I just I, I'm I'm constantly baffled by Randall. He, he's he's incredible in a very good way every time I see him this year because you know he's he's a completely different guy. He changes he changes everything from your decision to on Mitch to, you know, who you should target in free agency, just absolutely everything. It's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Like I never thought, I just said, uh, it, he makes th- uh, moving Mitchell Robinson or bringing Andre Drummond would make things harder on Julius Randall. I never thought I would say I would value Julius Randall so much, but I'm, I'm very worried about how things would uh involve Julius Randall going forward. Yeah. I mean, but you're talking about Julius as a, Pick and roll ball hander. Like, is there any sort of lineup that you would specifically like to see him in, or not not necessarily a five-man lineup, but any particular guys you'd like to see him on the court with?
2: I mean, yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, it, it's just it's
2: just um uh other offensive players that also have the the compound skills to be able to do multiple things. So, you know, obviously you've got shooting as uh uh is the most obvious one and that's necessary, but just multiple players who can pass dribble and shoot. I think it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, I've got something coming out on this tomorrow and, you know, we talk about Alfred Payton. He can't shoot. He can do a couple of other things, but the damage of him not being able to shoot goes beyond him not being able to shoot. You know, it trickles down into every other area of all the other guys on the floor. So, Theoretically on offense, if you're going to make Randall run some pick and rolls, you want everyone to be able to do all of those things. Now, there's always sacrifices somewhere, and some of them are worth the trade-off. Like, for example, Mitch not being able to do some things because he's so good on the other end. But if you're just making a checklist, it's, okay, let's get everyone to be able to pass dribble and shoot and then make a read once Randall has got his advantage. Uh, and when you get to that point, you know you're talking, talking like IQ, RJ, Randall, you know Wing, Upgrade X, whoever it may be, Fournier, Ol- Oladipo. I was just Traffic, going to say Fournier. You're you right know, my mind. someone. <laughs> oh yeah, because you're you're a big uh, you're a big yeah. Fournier guy. We can talk about him. Um, yes, I'm increasingly interested. Um, I think that would be pretty fun. And yeah, uh, I mean they're talking about Redick recently. I yeah. know uh, Begley was talking about Reddick, which would be fun. But I just think you're seeing it already. As soon as quickly comes in with these lineups, um, the court's sort of transferred. You know, you get this whole with Bullock, he's got great chemistry, Randall and Bullock already. So, you know, essentially it's just a one big Randall weave and he, he tries to, he moves all around, runs these handoffs, runs these pick and rolls, and eventually something cracks open and he can just whip it to a shooter and take advantage. And just replicating that on a larger scale, on a more consistent scale, I think that's uh, there's room for growth there, definitely.
1: Yeah, I agree. And before I forget, let's talk about Evan Fournier because yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So about for before uh, before we go into his game too much, are we talking about him as a free agent or as a trade possibility right now?
2: Uh, well, it's got to be both, isn't it, really? I mean, I think the Magic have come out and said that he's pretty available. You'll probably know more about the price than me. But... He's
1: definitely the most available out of their guys because he is expiring, and I think you can get him because they're asking for unrealistic nonsense for their for their other guys. I think yeah. Kujovic is totally out of price range for anybody.
2: Yeah, but... Mike, Michael Jordan might be interested in that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe he'd have to offer up a lot for, uh, we'll for him. Yeah, we'll as long as the Celtics don't get him, that would fucking suck if the Celtics got him. I would hate that so yeah, much. But yeah, but then they'll almost get him. That, you know, that's yeah, yeah, that's true. He'll, he'll go to the Hornets and Danny <laughs> Angel, add him to the list. That would oh, that would piss me off so much. Danny Angel, brag about how he almost got Vooch. Of yeah. course, of course. <laughs> Just for the next five years. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, in terms of Fournier, like,
2: I often frame it as the, it's him or Oladipo, which one would you rather go for? I think Oladipo is better if he's healthy, but the risk is a lot lower with Fournier. uh, And I actually think he's low key a better offensive fit with Randall. I mean, a lot of the perimeter stuff you run with Vooch is, is the same. You know, Clifford and Tibbs are from the same coaching stock. They've got similar styles, similar priorities. You know, they're very conservative defensively, just sort of grind you down, not make errors. I think Fournier would slot in easily in that Bullock role and Bullock should still get minutes. He's been really good and Tibbs loves him. But um, yeah, you know, if you imagine you are running these Mitch RJ side picking roles, you can do exactly the same thing on the other side with Fournier. He's been very consistent as a shooter. And I think he's probably going to command less money in the summer than Victor. He's got less of a brand name, you know, it's not. And I think the Victor Miami rumors have a lot of legs to them. So it's just a low risk swing to get a bit better. Still give yourself a lot of options going forward if the price is right. And it sounds like you're not going to have to give up too much. So,
1: yeah.
2: And you're reuniting. Well, assuming he doesn't go out in a trade, you're reuniting <laughs> Frank and Frank and Evan, which will be glorious.
1: That would be yeah. That would be great for Frank. It would be a great. Trade for Frank. Frank. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Assuming he doesn't get moved out, I I've said this to. Chris, when we were talking about Fournier, I'm sure the Magic would love Frank Nealakina. They really would, because Clifford would love him. Yeah. And they yeah. need him. Yeah. So, and they have no use for Kevin Knox. They need, they want to win. But I
2: like point guards who can defend and can't shoot. They can re, yeah, they can, ex- exactly. They <laughs> reunite him with uh, <laughs> MCW. That's perfect.
0: That's been a mainstay in their organization for a couple mm-hmm. of years now.
2: Very long players who can defend, but have very glaring holes. I like it. It's a good MO.
1: They like players with theoretical jump shots. So Kevin Knox may actually be a good fit there. (laughs) Now that I think about it.
2: Troy Weaver in Detroit has a similar ethos, I think. Yeah. Um, You know, just these athleticism over everything type of uh, uh, of equation. But yeah, I I haven't heard too much from anyone about Fournier, the possibility of it from any of the beat guys. So I don't know. We'll no, I
1: haven't seen anything. Vorkanoff did like a, a target potential targets thing and he put Fournier's name on there. But I, I think he would be great because they could just run dribble handoffs with him like they do yeah. in Orlando and it'd just be easy buckets. Like it's, he shoots well on the move. He shoots, he shoots up better. I think actually on the move mid-range shots than he does uh, catch and shoot sometimes. But yeah. I think it, it'd just be, like you said, just an easy fit. Yeah, and That's the thing that Bullock can't do you know, say so what happens after
2: Randall gives him the ball and he doesn't have an open look, mm, right. it's kind of like th- that's the end and he'll just swing it to RJ or whatever the next action is. Sometimes he, he get, comes off a curl and he takes a little elbow jumper, but, you know, he's not really going to do much after that. I think Fournier can get to the rim. He's got a bit of craft. He's just a, he's a better offensive version than Reggie. And I mean, you're giving up a little bit defensively, but again, I don't think it's awful, right?
1: Nah, he's not like a a total negative defender, but well, I mean, you're slipping. You're going right from Steve Clifford. like you said. Tibbs and Clifford are cut from the same cloth. I feel yeah. like he he's a good team defender. I feel like he'll be fine going into Tibbs' defense. He's used to being yelled at. <laughs> <with> <laughs> Steve Clifford. He should be. He should be okay going yeah. into that system right. with Tibbs. I, and plus he'll. I feel like he'll play his ass off. He's in a contract year. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to get paid. So
2: this is the thing. You yeah. know, and it'll get a bigger Orlando's not making a playoff. So, you know, no. if he wants to play a bit more meaningful games in a role that would definitely suit him, you know, he wouldn't be asked to do everything, but he would have a lot of the ball. It could be could be a nice all around fit. Yeah.
0: I, I definitely agree with that as well. And the other thing too is at the end of the day, you know, we we're forty one games in and um we've made some small incremental improvements in offense, but um, you know bringing Derek rose over here helped that a little bit but you can see that whether it's the front office or the coaching staff they're clearly trying to prioritize people who can create um, and shoot you know and, and and our offense definitely still has a ways to go in in that area and, and fournier can definitely help us out and i think we have a strong enough defensive foundation that that it things won't fall off too much um but you guys were talking a little bit about the front office as well. And and we all know that the bombshell that Jerome Weitzman dropped via uh, the New York Post within the past week and a half or so. And Jack, I just wanted to get kind of your thoughts on this. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've read that article a couple of times now, and I still don't know 100% how I feel about it. There's a part of me that feels like every front office, when you have executives that have any type of ego at all. There's going to be some um, you know, combustibility factors that are there, regardless of who is involved. So I think sometimes we read these articles and it's like, oh my God, this is like a clown show or like this is bound to fail. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the stuff about uh Worldwide West, you know, have bare chested and and throwing on New York state of mind in, in a meeting is like, you know, pretty peculiar. Like and that's I pretty- love that.
1: Oh, that's what concerned you. I thought you were going to say that stuff about him in Kentucky concerned you when he was like uh, us and they didn't know if he was talking about Knicks or Kentucky, that stuff kind of concerned me. I don't care about him taking his shirt off.
0: I'm not even going to lie, man. That really doesn't concern me because Kentucky continues to put out NBA talent every year. And if, and if we're going to be connected to one college program, that's, that's the one I want to be connected to. But what I'm, Mm. what I'm concerned about is, um, I guess what I'm concerned about is, I, I just want to know, Jack, from you, if you feel that, you know, Leon Rose is really kind of the marionette uh, with enough kind of like, um, you know, kind of like deft touch and, and and you know, is he able to really kind of look at all these sources and, you know, pick and choose which one to listen to at what time and, and which one to kind of like roadblock or not? Or is this a situation where, you know, it it could fall apart? Um, I don't really mind the whole, like, Brock Aller and Tibbs beefing and, like, him calling him hinky and stuff like that.
1: (laughs) That was my favorite part of the whole thing, that hinky is being said in the front office. That was great.
0: It's definitely unprofessional to call your fellow co-worker that. It's It's a a
1: compliment. compliment. Yes, I was just going to say that it's a compliment. He he clearly (laughs) meant
0: it as a compliment. (laughs)
1: yeah i think he's amazing he's the best
0: um but yeah jack reading reading all of that you know what what were kind of your your main thoughts
2: i i mean okay so the whole you gotta the whole debate really comes down to you know process versus results and i have no problem with there being multiple voices in a room that's absolutely fine you want that i think that's actually a positive you know as long as you're not consistently weighing one voice at the expense of the others. Right. You know, and so we, we simply don't have a, the, the insight uh, or the amount of time to know whether that's happening or is not happening, you know? So, and I also think we're just, even, even if, you know, we get three years down the line and we've got 20 decisions that we can sample and say, okay, let's grade Leon Rose. We still won't know because what about all the decisions that he would have made, but couldn't make or the stuff, you know, we say, we say a decision was a good decision based on the outcome, but we just don't have all the ingredients to to gauge whether that's true or not. Like with the whole quickly thing, it was a great pick, but then it was also an example of the, the nepotism and the Kentucky links. And is that not just, so is it a good pick or is it a bad pick? Is it, is it a good process or is it a good result? Like, Passing through all this stuff is just so difficult that I think you just have to, you just have to pass and have faith in the organisation, uh, and say that we're we're not going to be able to have the benefits of a shirtless Wes without some of the downside. You know, so yeah, we're probably over the next few years going to pick one too many Kentucky guys. Is that the end of the world? Probably not. You know, maybe some of those picks we wouldn't have had without Brock Aller. So does that balance out? You know, then you've got Leon Sway in free agency. Maybe we get some meetings that we wouldn't have otherwise got. Like, where do you where do you tally up all the scores at the end of the day? It's just, it's a bit of a futile exercise. I I like all the guys we've got in the front office. You know, uh, I'm not sure we'd have Kenny Bain if we didn't have the Kentucky... Uh, connection and you know with that bombshell dropped today that he was interviewing for another job. Yeah. May not is, have
1: him for much longer.
2: it's crushing to my soul. But hopefully uh he tanks the interview so we'll see. <laughs> but uh yeah I just think it's all a big can of worms to be honest. Like it was a great article. I love all the insights. I thought it was funny, but I'm not gonna start tearing my hair out trying to decipher 10 words in the middle of a in the middle of an article when you're just not going to be able to get to the bottom of it. So yeah, uh, I'm pro front office and pro anecdotes about a shirtless Wes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I find him a fascinating dude. Like, I just can't wait for in like 10 years time when we actually know who the hell this guy is and what's going on and all these stories. But yeah, I think all in all, we've got a lot of good voices in there. I trust Leon to to uh, listen to the right ones because I've got no evidence to suggest that he isn't or won't. So yeah,
1: so far he has been. So, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we'll go with that. I think Wes is pretty hands-on too. I think he was on the other court uh when Julius Randall was about to take Scott Foster's head off. So he was literally yeah.
1: hands-on in that yeah. situation. Yeah.
0: Well,
2: that's funny because he's also, you know, uh, I think it was, what was it, Malice at the Palace. I think one of the famous pictures is of him. Yeah. I can't remember which player it was, maybe Jermaine O'Neill or someone. But uh yeah, you know, he was right there in the in the middle of the middle of the whole thing. So he doesn't shy away from a moment of potential violence. Um, and he does seem to be playing Peacemaker, which is, a, which is a good thing. But I enjoyed Randall kicking off the other night. I thought that, I was, that was excellent.
0: I, uh, I did too. I mean, like, it, it really goes kind of hand in hand with kind of that piece he wrote for the Players' Tribune um, in the fact that the, he really wants this. He really wanted A, to turn his reputation around. He's done that um be to win more. And he's done that. And you can see how much this means to him. Like, if you just look at Randall, when he's on the court, I don't think he's ever not been a serious player, right? Like even when we had him last year and he wasn't playing well, I don't think it was for a lack of effort and desire. Like he even no. said in, in the, in the piece, he said, they brought me in here to be the guy. So my job is to score 25 points. Do your job. Those were literally words from the piece that he wrote. So I think even if you look at the, you know, his facial expressions, like there's a clear desire to win this year. It just seems like it's, it's tenfold. Like it seems like he is extremely focused, whether it's getting off the plane, you know, after, you know, flying into a new city and and going to the gym and getting off shots or on the court, you can see how much that game against the Nets really meant to him and and to, to lose it on a call like that um, is clearly something that, that did not sit well with him for sure. I mean, obviously most of us watching it too.
2: Yeah. I mean, heat at the moment, you're going to, you're going to explode. I mean, that's just a diabolical, a diabolical call, but uh, you know, part, part of the whole thing with Randall is, and you're right, his, his expression, his whole demeanor is, has, has echoed his on-court production. But um, you know, I think he's got the right voices in his ear as well with Kenny Payne and Johnny Bryant and, you know, Taj Gibson, the, the whole sort of atmosphere of the group um, perpetuates that attitude. You know, you've got Quickly and Obi who are both like workaholics. I, I think the the general atmosphere is one to be, you know, not to be underestimated and not to be messed with too much, really. Um, I, I think we can afford to bring in guys. That's why Redick, yeah, bring them in. You know, if you want Quickly to spend a bit of time with one of the best three-point shooters of all time, I'm absolutely fine with that. Let's do it. I think the benefits could be, you know, beyond just a little playoff push. Um, just to cement the, I don't want to say the C word, but the culture. Um, <laughs> that uh, that we seem to be, fingers crossed, touch with building.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with bringing in JJ Raddick because I don't think it'll cost very much. No, I think it's very... I think it's a very smart move. And I think he, he would like to come to New York. Obviously his family lives here. That's been written about a lot, but, uh, there was something, uh, today that came out from Mark Berman about Lonzo ball. Yeah. I did want to ask you about Lonzo Jack cause he's obviously a topic of discussion for Knicks fans and I'm high on Lonzo. Uh, I know Jeff likes Lonzo too. I wanted to know what you think Alonzo as a trade option as a restricted free agent option. Cause we know that's coming up for them. What do you think about Lonzo for the Knicks?
2: I think I like Lonzo um, I'm a fan of his game. I'm a fan of him dovetailing with the uh, age of the core. I think that works well. And it's quite rare to be able to get a guy that can just come in and he's on the ascendancy. He fits age wise. He's still really young, but I'm just, you know, Passing out the um, the value of trading for him so that you don't have to pay um, way over the odds in restricted free agency is a difficult one. I just don't think the Pelicans are going to be open to moving him. You know, there's like two or three other players that will be ahead of Lonzo on the type of backcourt, like Bledsoe, like he's just floating around playing shooting guard. It's, it's weird, like, you know, they're going to want to get rid of him before they want to get rid of Lonzo. Um, so I think trade-wise, the price is going to be just too high. And in restricted free agency, so there was another report that came out today say that the Pelicans didn't want to go above eighteen million. Well, they might as well just trade him then, if that's because he's going to get eighteen million.
1: Yeah, um, he's hired Rich Paul for a reason. Yeah, like,
2: yeah, yeah, And then you know, so he's been linked with the Knicks. I think it was, uh, I think Mark Berman and Lockton said the other day that um, you know that there's a, a big history and connection between. Wes and the family and, you know, Lonzo would be very open to playing in New York. So that's all very well and good, but at the end of the day, the Pelicans can match. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, there's a big difference between playing Lonzo for 18 million and paying him 23 million a year. I am on the fence about whether that's the right way to go. There's a lot of, would I rather have like Kyle Lowry on a big one year deal? i don't know and then because i think 2022 is going to be the summer that's it's going to be Beal. that's the that's that's the guy and i I personally would rather we swim for the fences in free agency than trade everything that's not nailed down for like carl anthony towns i'm 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 not into doing the whole trade the world for superstar x again but uh wait on Devin booker I, I just he's not going to be available but even no. even if he was like it would really hurt me to give up everything you know to, to get a guy like that mm. i understand that you have to do it sometimes to take that next step but uh, yeah I, the, the perfect route would be to get a guy in free agency we've got all this cap room you can add him to what's existed already here you know you can straddle two developmental timelines, you know, you can compete and then develop the kids. I think that would be ideal. It's just, who is that guy? Um,
0: that's really, I mean, that's essentially what the Nets did, right? I mean, like if we really go through two seasons or a season and a half or whatever it was um, of, of building up our team and making sure our, our house is in order.
1: Well, they traded Lopez though. They 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 traded their best player for a young guy, for for lo for D-Lo. yeah, so they
0: right. Uh, yeah, I don't know
2: whether we have a. We don't have a Lopez. Yeah, we? I
1: was just going to say that we don't have a guy to do that with. Yeah, we Randall is.
2: He, he's gone past Lopez territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has, I
1: right. mean, Lopez was passing his prime, I guess, when they traded him for D-Lo. Yeah.
2: Well, maybe he wasn't even entering his prime. I mean, yeah. Post Nets, Lopez has been probably you know yeah. more effective as a player or more successful at least you
1: think so i mean he was really good with the nets He was, but he was what, the uh where like what, what were they even doing you No, know, was you interesting
0: know? i mean people talked about him as a defensive player of the year candidate uh or at least all all defensive team i think whether it was last season or the season
2: before. yeah yeah last season same with bledsoe you know people were talking about bledsoe as an all nba defender when he was with milwaukee this is the thing that gives me pause about tibbs and all these guys the names that we're mentioning you know You know, to take an extreme example, I don't want to trade for Andre Drummond, but I think that Tibbs would get the best version of Andre Drummond out of Andre Drummond. You know, similarly with some of Bledsoe, for example, he'd be an absolute menace defensively. Oladipo, I'm intrigued by, you know, getting one of these guys that is on a bit of a down streak in his career, not producing, available for cheap. And then just letting Tibbs mold him uh into something productive. Um yeah, the the Randall experience has made me much more open to being to questioning what I assume is the right take on a player. Um so yeah, who knows? But I think Tibbs is gonna be going to Leon with a list over the next week and saying, <laughs> come on, come on. Give me this guy, and I promise you—you know—I will get the best out of him. Uh, well, the team is definitely going to be on that list. Yeah, I agree. My, you, is my guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the health would worry me. I, I don't know whether Tibbs would want to sit him out every other game. That's a good
1: point.
0: So you know what, Jack? Actually, let me ask you to rank those guys. So we have talked about Ooh. Fortier, Lonzo, and Victor Oladipo. So try and rank those guys one through three which which one you would have before the trade deadline
2: what am i giving up for what am i giving up for lonzo uh oh boy this is the problem well, i mean, have you have can... to
1: give up at least one first round pick
2: yeah lonzo. like i just i just don't think that's worth it if he if he what if he, if he uh, my, my list would go lo- to trade for it would be lonzo last and then it would probably be, it would probably be Evan first and then Victor second. I'd probably go early deeper second, just because of the health. It just scares the shit out of me. But um, in terms of if I can sign Lonzo to a semi-reasonable deal in the summer, he's top of the list there. Yes.
1: And you could you could also get the feeling like you could get a wink wink thing with Lonzo Ball too. Like if you trade for him, you could get a kind of a oh you're, you're feeling in that position. you could resign him. Yeah. yeah. But, if someone if yeah.
2: someone it'll be like Chicago, if someone offers him if he if we trade for Lonzo and then, you know, Chicago are gonna have some pretty big bulls to then offer him a massive restrictive free agency contract, confident that we're not gonna match after giving some Man. stuff up. And he wants to be in New York. Like, that's just, um, I think that's unlikely. If we trade for him, we're re signing him.
1: Yeah, he'd be a great fit there, but I, I don't think they'd go through that. But I, I think the, the Older Depot thing, you mentioned the the Miami Heat thing before, too. That, mm. That's the other thing about it, too. He's just been linked to there for like years. It There's feels been so like much, so, so yeah. much.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. He's a very heat culture guy as well. Yes.
1: You know.
2: <laughs> I can I can see that I can see where that. There's, happening.
1: Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's where I think Jeremy Cohen tweeted about it. Like where the, there's so much smoke about the Andre Drummond Knicks thing, that it's starting to concern me. <laughs> like yeah, it, it is starting to become a concern. There's a little bit too much of it.
2: I mean yeah, this is the thing again. Like what is the if it's a if it's just for the rest of the season? If the price is literally Cleveland is just sitting there and they're saying, you know, we either take this bag of basketballs from the Knicks or we buy him out so you might as well trade him and so essentially you're then saying okay would you rather have Andre Drummond for I don't know 20 minutes a game or Nerland Noel? I'd probably rather have Andre Drummond really to be honest so I don't know it's it's, it it all depends on what happens in the summer you just don't want to be in a position where you feel like you have to or should or are left with the only option being pay Andre Drummond money, which is just a terrible situation to be in. Yeah,
1: That's true. But, and then you're kind of in yeah. the same situation the Nets were with, with DJ and Jared Allen, where uh, yeah, if you give Drummond multiple years, then it just, you're just basically buying time until you have to trade Mitch. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It will be fascinating to see how they navigate this, to be fair. Um, and then also you've got the draft as a bit of a wild card. It's 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 going to be a very, very interesting and probably active six months for the Knicks. And, you know, restraint might be the, uh, the telling factor in how successful we are ultimately. I wouldn't hate it if we did absolutely nothing. No, I wouldn't either. Um, I like this team, yeah. I can't see it happening with Tibbs and I don't blame him. Like it's not like, oh, Tibbs just wants to win and he's a maniac. Yeah, It's, it's fine. Like that's his job. That's what he wants to do. And um, But I don't think we necessarily need to rush. And that's good because we've got options. You know, we can make a little move here, a little move there, or we can do nothing. It's fine. You know, this season has already been a success. We've already won. Like, It doesn't matter. We've
1: already almost passed our over total, I think, for the entire season.
2: (laughs) We passed my like, we passed my expected happiness quote. Or after last week, it was ridiculous.
0: I do think, though, that uh, at some point, I mean, you got to think Rivers will get moved, right? I mean, just, just yeah, he's
1: the one guy that you assume is going.
0: Just on the sense of he's a veteran player and. I'm sure he he did not expect to be in this position. I don't think when we signed him we expected him to be in this position too. So I just think that from a PR NBA standpoint, making sure that you know players see this uh, organization as something a place that does right by its players. And and who knows? Listen, Rivers could get back factor back into the rotation. Like injury. or they'll buy him out, Jeff. Or they'll buy him out. Yeah.
2: I think he's gone. He's gone. His his poor wife has been in labor for like a yeah. week or something. I mean, I, Berman was talking about it like he's. It's just that relationship is a bit fried. I mean, maybe they can bring it back, but
1: yeah, there's such a history with him and Tibbs. That's that's kind of sad that
0: yeah
1: that
2: is. If I was a contender, I, I would I would take I would take Austin Rivers for yeah for nothing. You know, I think the Clippers could do them. To be honest, um, they need they need a guard. They he really needs someone. Mm-hmm. I have a sneaky, a sneaky, uh, uh, proposal. What I want to do is I want to try. I think the Clippers are going to try and get George Hill. And Wendy was talking about it on his podcast today. Uh, I think we should try and get George Hill to stop the Clippers getting him. And then Kawhi can, uh, we can flirt with Kawhi all summer.
1: I would love George Hill. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm with, I'm for that a hundred percent.
2: He's he's, he can still play. I think he's a very tips guy. And I think he'd still have value next year as well. So his deal next year is not guaranteed It's like 10 million. Um, and you could definitely flip that if you wanted to next deadline. You know, he's a guy that's always got value.
1: Yeah. OKC's okay, so gearing up too. They already traded Trevor Ariza. They're a 2027 even, second round pick.
2: What even is OKC? Okay, so they're just like a... like a <laughs> Presti's like a dragon just sort of sitting there <laughs> on like this mountain of pit. <laughs> I think he's lost the concept of what he's actually doing but,
1: it's uh, it's the perfect system because you can't judge him for so long now like he, he's, how, he's bought himself so much time right
2: what, what's the end game here you know like <laughs> he's just gonna phone up the wizards one day and be like oh <laughs> I'll trade you my whole city. For that's
1: Beal. what, that's what, that's what I was talking to my brother. I was joking around, kind of, with my brother. Like, does he hope that maybe SGA and Bradley Beal become friends at some point? <laughs> like, maybe that's his hope. I don't know.
2: I mean, SGA is too good. He's too good for them at the moment. Like, uh, they're winning too many games because of him.
1: Yeah, they re- like even when uh they were playing the Knicks without SGA for like the first two and a half, three quarters, their defense looked okay. I mean, they're. Yeah. I think they're Lou Dort. L- is Lou Dort's really good, really <laughs>
2: <He's, he's laughs> good. Scary man. I get tired just watching him. he's, oh. he's a monster. But uh, yeah, like they—they've got some pieces, and yeah, it will be very interesting. I mean, this draft is whoever gets Cade. I mean, it could. It, there's like so many teams that could get him because of all the protections and weird pick machinations around the league. This draft is going to be a shit show. It's going to be wild on lottery night but then on the draft itself as well
0: yeah i think we're all excited for that i mean even for the tournament just to see some of these play and
1: i'm so pumped for march madness
0: it's it's gonna be great
1: you'll have to you have to
2: give me an idiot's guide to march madness because i (laughs) i uh it's just not a thing over here and it's like i've never really followed it so um i don't even know how how I would watch it. I think you can watch games on the on the website on NCAA's yeah. website. Maybe yeah,
1: you can. And there's, it's just like the NBA where there's streams. There's illegal yeah. streams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I told
2: you I was technology, technologically yeah. inept. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will. I will definitely watch some. I'll definitely watch some. Who's going to win? Do we know who's going to win? Is oh, there a favorite? If
1: Gonzaga loses, I would be shocked. They're so good. Yeah. Oh, like... that's
2: the uh, Corey Kispert. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Jalen Suggs, Corey Kisbert. They have maybe the two best players in the country outside of Cunningham, obviously, and, and Mobley. But, I mean, those guys are incredible. It's one of the best college basketball teams I've ever seen.
2: Uh, so that's the safe money then, is it? Yeah. Is there safe money? In I was just going to say,
1: but in the NCAA tournament, the safe <laughs> money almost never works out. <laughs> Interesting.
2: <laughs> that's
1: the beauty okay. of it.
2: Do you guys have a... Uh... Uh Alamat matters that you went to that you who are you rooting for? For personal reasons or my my
1: oh go ahead. I'm sorry. It's
0: <laughs> uh nowhere near this tournament. I went to Binghamton, uh oh, okay which is in uh West New York and uh yeah they, they they got no chance there. But I guess I'm I'm probably rooting for um for gonzaga i mean i i like their team a lot the one thing i was going to say before is you're asking like how to watch it and and honestly it's it's just an all-day affair just (laughs) yeah you have your cup of wine there but you just bring the bottle just into your room and just twist my arm yeah and and just uh just relax and sit back
1: yeah it's four days long i'm calling in sick to work on friday to watch it all day like i'm not (laughs) it starts does it start on friday thursday night the first four games game. start yeah the playing okay. games and then friday at 12 15 i think the is the first game
2: wait next week
1: right no this week oh, to, oh it's like yeah, yeah. It's okay mm-hmm. what day is
2: it today
1: <laughs> yeah wednesday <laughs>
2: there you go st patrick's yeah, yeah 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 all right i'll um i'll watch cool i'm in i gotta watch Jaden springer he's an interesting name
1: yeah like him and definitely yeah definitely and definitely check out obviously oh well i'm sure you've seen some of cunningham but watch out uh gonzaga obviously too gonzaga's incredible yeah all right i'm in sold and i'm gonna put
2: all my money on gonzaga uh, (laughs) i can blame you
0: We'll have you. We'll have you back on the podcast in a couple of. Uh, well, not a couple of months, but maybe a month or so. And we'll see how it went. We'll see yeah, how-
2: when I'm when I'm homeless and I'm, <laughs> I'm tuning in from a cafe with the wireless or something. Yeah. Uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Chip, um, do you have anything else for for Jack before we let him go?
1: I can give him an upset to take in the first round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Wait, i to do one too. I'm going
0: to do one too. Okay. Uh, go ahead. You go first. So my upset is, although people who are a lot smarter than me and have been watching college basketball all year told me this is not that smart, uh, but I'm going Georgetown over Colorado, 12-5 upset.
1: Who told you that's not smart? Everybody's taking that. Well,
0: basically, this is what uh, I've been told. People told me that Georgetown is just a really good fundamentals team, and that's cool, but it's not cool for the tournament the big East is not that good. And they said that Colorado, um, if they get hot is going to, you know, I'm not, I I don't know whether it's run the floor or sweep the floor with, uh, with Georgetown, but yeah. Oh, I guess that's possible. Colorado's offensive (laughs) numbers
1: are really good. I haven't watched too much of them because they play in the pack 12, but
0: I want Georgetown to win that game. So I'm going to stick with that.
1: Well, I'm taking Colgate against Arkansas.
0: Ooh, I've heard people like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like Colgate a lot.
0: So those are. I can all. care. I can yeah.
1: care. <laughs> <laughs> New York, they're playing New York, and they're I think thirteen and one. They play super fast, score points, and I mean it's obviously. I I it's bet on them. Yeah, I bet on them all year long. So I'm. I was talking about this with our buddy Danny Small, and when you bet on a team all year long, you have to pick them to win in the first oh, round of the dude. tournament
2: now i don't trust your pick because you're, you're too invested in them
1: oh i'm totally emotionally invested but if i if you want me to send you the stats to back it up i'll absolutely send you the stats to back it out too uh i wish
2: i had the uh i wish i had the funds to be able to action some of these tips but uh, unfortunately it's just going to be a uh, hypothetical but i will be i'll be rooting for colgate yeah
0: there we go um jack absolute pleasure having you on the show man really appreciate you taking some time to talk mix um and indulge us in some of the other topics as well before we let you go you can tell all the good people listening where they can find you on twitter uh, all of your great writing as well if if there's anything that you want to promote right now uh, please do so
2: uh yeah thanks for having me on it's uh nice to have a chat nice to put a face to a twitter handle as well (laughs) um so i write for the strickland The their website, uh, the best Nick's website out there, and um, on Twitter, what is my handle? Nicks underscore nuance. So find me there. I've got another piece coming out tomorrow, which is a sort of weird, funny look at a lineup that Nicks should be using, but have stumbled into, and then might forget that exists again. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Yeah. No. Thanks for having me go
0: Absolutely man absolute pleasure for sure um, be sure to follow Jack on Twitter be sure to read all of his great stuff at the Strickland uh, they always are putting out great content over there um, and for everybody else out there we hope you guys are staying safe and we'll be you soon